0: thank you for coming today. This is a, not only do we have extra stuff in our service today, our, our sermon series over the next few weeks is a little bit different. If you don't know, we have been a church for three years. We have been renting space from this Methodist church. They meet before us. If you come a little bit early, you'll see them, you know, they've got their treats and they have their little meal together after service. And for our son, that's like his favorite part of church. That gets him there bright and early, like he's first in line for the Methodist potluck dinner over there. And um, but they have been great hosts for us, but we we are a growing church, and we feel God leading us to buy a building, to have a permanent location for us. We just think that's going to open so many doors to reach the community, so many doors to have different ministry options when we can have programs and ministries at the church where we can offer student ministries maybe on a different night or multiple services as our, as our church grows. We certainly see it in the kids' room most Sundays that they are outgrowing that room so we need some other options. So over the next few weeks, we are, we are kind of in our capital campaign, which we are calling Welcome Home. And this is a campaign for people of Homestead Church to commit to raise money over the next two years to buy our building, to buy the building that we want. So i got to make this disclaimer right away. You may have been invited from a friend, or this is your first time here, and you're like, "Great. I showed up to church on Money Day, on the day where they're asking for money. Why are, Maybe you're thinking, maybe you haven't gone to church in years because you're thinking, "I never want to go to church because they're always asking for my money, and you picked today of all days to start coming to church. So I mentioned this last week as we kicked off the series, and I'm going to mention it again, because I fully believe this. The first, the, what we want for you, if you're just visiting today, we want you to feel like a part of the family. We think we have a great community of people here. We want you to feel like you belong and that you're supporting, that you're making, building relationships and making friends and growing in your faith. And we're going to feel that way if you never, ever give a dime to this church, right? You are welcome in this family. It is not contingent on any sort of giving. So we want you to we want you to be a part of the family. We want you to open your heart up to faith in Jesus Christ if you've never done that. That's our goal and mission as a church, that you would feel like you belong and that we would point you to Jesus, and that's it. So if at any point today in today's message or over the next couple of weeks, you're feeling that, oh, they're just trying to get my money, you know, that's I just want to encourage you, that's not the case. We want you to feel like you're a part of the family, and we want you to open up your heart to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, just a quick reminder, for those of you who have heard this, if you want specific information about the campaign, we're going to show a little bit. We're going to show our campaign video today and a little bit of information. But we've been having meetings at our house, and do anyone know what those meetings are called? Pi meetings, because they are 3.14 hours long. No, that's not That's not why we call them pi meetings. They stand, a little math, little math humor, because I'm just so smart like that. Don't ask me to... Do any more digits after 3.14? I don't got them. Um, Pi stands for Pastors Information Exchange, where you can come just hear more details about the project, the business plan, what building specifically, all the details about that, and also we have Pi available. So that uh, there is one tonight at seven at the Kerr House. So if you want to know how to get to the Kerr House, come talk to us after. It's not far away. We're right here in Farmington. There will be info at the table back there to sign up just so we know you're coming, so we have the appropriate amount of pie. Um, I think you were, were you handed some things as you came in today? You should have gotten a couple of things. Um, One of them is a prayer calendar. And anyone got one that I can take a look at real quick? I'll give it, I'll give it right back. This is me being prepared. 14 days of prayer, um, the biggest thing we want to do as, we, as we're as we in this campaign is to have each of us pray. This is going to be a thing about prayer. This campaign is going to happen as we seek God, uh, individually, as families, and as a church. So we have 14 days of prayer, um, and it starts tomorrow. So what you have here is just a little theme and a verse for each day where you can just take a minute and pray about this. Um, we would invite you to do that. Read a verse, say a prayer. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing, but we're encouraging our church to spend some time praying for this campaign. I have two goals. One is that we would get a building. That's obviously a goal in a campaign. But the second is our church, if our church could grow in this idea of we're, we're seeking God, we're praying, and we're, we're learning to hear his voice and obey him, man, that's the goal. That's the goal for any church. That's the goal for any follower of Jesus. So... I encourage you to do that over the next 14 days starting tomorrow. Um, we'll talk more about that. And then on social media, if you follow Homestead Community Church on Facebook and Instagram, um, we'll have uh, we'll have the theme, the verse, and the, what we're praying for each day. And also, Facebook's a great way to just keep in touch with up-to-date information as well. I um, mean, you also got a—I uh, can give this back because we want the autos to pray. We don't want to hold you back from praying. You also got a commitment card. And so that if you, if you came into church today with walls built up about churches asking for money and right away they handed you a commitment card, you were, you were starting to get a little weak in the knees, I think, or anything, something like that. But that's our commitment card, and what we're going to do, what we're asking you to do is just pray. Just pray and see if God would, would say, you know what, I think you could support this campaign. We have had leadership meetings, um, and we've had a team of leaders that are, are leading this campaign. And we have already collected commitments from them, and it's just been a great response. And we're going to share more about that in the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks. But I would, I'm inviting the church to participate. I would love for 100% participation in this regard. Just simply pray about it. Say, God, is there something you'd have us do? And that's when we trust God and we allow him to be generous through us. So that commitment card, you can just take that and pray about that. And then in two weeks, two Sundays from today is Commitment Sunday, where we are going to have a moment where we are turning these in if you want to participate in this campaign. And we're going to have the kids join us in two weeks. Right now, oh, by the way, kids... Um, not that your kids, the kids up there, they're getting little piggy banks today and their own little commitment cards. So again, we're not trying to nickel and dime your family and get money however we can. What we want is for your family to participate in this. And what we want is for kids as at a young age, as was the case with Christy and I, and a lot of the kids in this church, we want them to learn early on what it means to be stewards of God's resources, to trust God in their finances, to be obedient, to tithe and to give and to be obedient in that way. So that's, we want them to have kind of a sense of ownership, even at that young age, over this project. A sense of ownership where as they grow up in this church, in our building, they can say, hey, I, was, I remember that little red piggy bank. I was a part of that. I was a part of buying this building, renovating this building. So you are going to get um, a, a piggy bank and a letter of just explaining what we're doing and a commitment card um, as you pick up your kids today. Um, I recognize, we talked about this last week, I recognize that there are kind of roadblocks in our life, and I've experienced this in my life. People are resistant to this, to the idea of giving to a church or being generous with our resources in a church setting. And um, some, it's because of just bad church experience in the past. You've just had churches misuse finances. You've had churches where it was all about the money. But I don't think that's the biggest reason. I think the biggest reason, and we talked about this, is fear. We have fear in regards to money. We have fear, like, what if I need it? I don't want to be generous with my resources. What if I need it? What if the economy turns? What if something happens? What if there's a a medical bill that we don't know about? So I got to just hold on tight to my resources because what what if in two years or three years or five years? And that's that fear that causes us to just kind of grip tight of everything. And what we want to do in this series is look in the word of God and realize that God wants us to release that fear. It's a trust thing with God. He wants to rid our lives of fear, and to trust him, and to bring him into our finances, to bring him into every area of our life. He wants to use us to be generous to others, to the work of his kingdom, and we have nothing to fear when we do this, right? Because he promises, if you read through the scriptures, he promises to provide for us. So we've been asking God to stretch us, Christy and I, in our generosity. One of the things we've been learning as leaders as we've been going through this campaign, there's there's giving with your head. Like, what I think about this. What can I afford? What could I, like, put in the monthly budget? Um, there's giving of out of our hand. Like, what have we got? Is there something that we could sacrifice to give to this? But what we're really wanting to stretch us in is not the head giving, not the hand giving, but the heart giving where we say, God, I think you're... You're stretching me. You're challenging me to to do this, a step of faith. Christy and I have had that experience over the last few months, and we're going to share about that next week. Head, hand, and heart. Those are areas of giving that we want to encourage you to grow in, but it's a fear thing that comes into each of those. And last week I wrapped up the message from reading from 2 Corinthians that everyone should decide, maybe if you were here you knew this, everyone should decide what they're going to give and do, do so joyfully. Don't do it reluctantly. Don't do it out of guilt or fear or compulsion or something... a a guilt trip that the pastor's sending you on, none of that. Just decide what you're going to give and give because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's in 2 Corinthians, you know, there's verses in chapter 8 and 9. If you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be in just a little bit. We're going to look more at those verses, what God's idea of being generous and his ability to provide for us and how he wants us to live in that regard. But first, we have a couple of things. We're going to show our campaign video and then Jeff and Megan Merricks are going to come up after that and just share a quick testimony. Can we welcome Jeff and Megan Merricks to the stage?
1: Well, good morning, Homestead. Uh, Jeff and Megan Merricks, here we are. Uh, Pastor Jeff just wanted us to share why we love our Homestead. And, uh, and as you look at it, you've all throughout this morning, you've heard family, you've heard community, you've heard um, togetherness. And, it, and that's, what, that's what Homestead is about, and that's what we love about it. We love it. All the people that we have in here, um, just the uh, the uh, pastor uh, Stephen talked about all the announcements we had. The kids' church, we had moms' group, we have the family nights, and all you, you heard all the woohoo's, right? So we're getting we're getting fed every night, um, but it's the people. It's about being part of here. And a quick example about this, I told a couple people here this morning that I was coming up to to speak. And then the comment back to them was, well, now it makes sense why you're dressed up like an Easter egg. <laughs> Megan must have wanted you to be presentable. So, I mean, that's our church, right? That's our church.
2: And for me, um, you know, coming here, we've been here pretty much since the beginning, um, it has just really strengthened my faith, challenged my faith, had me do things like this that I would never uh, imagine myself doing. So it's just been great for me to, for my own personal growth, and I just love seeing the church as a whole growing in their faith too.
1: We just also wanted to take a moment just to kind of talk about stewardship, talk about uh, where, we, where we're at today and, and where we came from. Um, for me personally, it started out. My, my parents were divorced when I was at an early, early age, thinks three, and then I would go down. My dad lived in Illinois, and I would go learn from him. He was a, a strong Christian, and I just remember him planting the seeds of, of tithing, um, and I watched that. He worked for Caterpillar, and was uh, uh, they went on strike for for years, and I remember him getting a hundred dollar strike check for going to do the strike thing, whatever that means. Um, but they would write a $10 check, and they were on assistance and everything else, but they were faithful in giving. And I just watched that bless, be blessed by that. Fast forward 20-plus years later, um, I'm, a, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a husband. I got, I got a two-year-old or a one-and-a-half-year-old, whatever, how old Emma was, and then one in the oven. And um, <laughs> And throughout that time, you know, I really didn't, we really didn't, tithe, didn't do anything like that, but but that was the moment um, at our, at our, one of our churches we started tithing. Megan and I just started. Hey, we should go do this. Felt being led, and we did that. Well, then of course after we felt super good, do starting that whole process. The pastor came up and said, Hey, we're going to do a building campaign. We want more money. Um, but that was that was a time where we sat down and looked and said, Hey, um, God's leading us, and that was really the turning point point in our lives. Um, for, for faithfully giving, because we got to see God uh, have us do more with less. Um, I got a, a different job. Megan was able to uh, uh, quit her job, and um, it just worked out well for us.
2: And I just have uh, one short story of showing, you know, God's faithfulness, and that he is always watching over us. So when on Jeff's first deployment, the kids were four and six, and so... Um, so then uh, we had a, f- a friend who had put on a garage sale and she had raised a bunch of money. It was a large garage sale and handed us an envelope of cash. And I thought, you know, I just, I felt bad taking the money. You know, we were kind of doing okay and things like that. But we ended up taking the money and um, wanted to make sure that I did something good with it and I guess at the end of the day I decided that that was going to be babysitting money because anybody who is single parenting for 16 months you need a lot of extra babysitters and a lot of extra help. So at the end of that um, the money you know it was just cash and envelope that I used to pay for babysitters every time we needed that and it ended up being the exact amount I spent the last dollar the week that before he came home. So Just, uh, yeah, just that um, God's faithfulness and even little things like that um, of babysitting money, that he is always watching over us, always um, protecting us and always being faithful, so.
0: Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was great. And this is the thing, as we're talking stewardship and generosity, it is, as a pastor, I want more people in our church to just experience God coming through. Christy and I are going to share our story next Sunday where we just, time and time again, we felt like God was saying, trust me here, and then he comes through. And trust me here, make this sacrifice, take this step, and then he comes through. And I just, that's what I want for the people of this church. That's what I want with that level of trust and just to see God do that. So if you have a Bible... We're going to go through uh, the rest of this sermon pretty quick. we got a few minutes left um, this morning. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, we're going to kind of be in there a little bit. Um, we'll start in chapter 8. Now, this is written by the Apostle Paul. And the, later on in chapter 9 is the verses we read last week. God loves a cheerful giver. Decide what you're going to give and then do so with, with joyful hearts. God loves a cheerful giver. But Paul talks a lot more about generosity and stewardship. He is challenging. So this letter would have been written to a group of new believers in the first century. Um, A new church, if you will, was, was planted in Corinth. So he is writing this letter to encourage the believers in this Rather prominent, well-known, populated city in that day and age, Corinth. And he is encouraging them to grow in all areas. And if you read through it, you'll see him saying he's encouraging them. You've been, you've been leading the way in this. You've been leading the way in faith, in devotion, in, the, in godliness, in righteousness. I want you to lead the way in generosity because it's all the same God. It's all honoring to God. And so I want to read in chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, and it says this. Second Corinthians 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 14. The words will be up on the screen. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. So I read those words, and I know in this part of the world, in the United States of America, you hear some of those words, and you're like, what? Wait a minute, the goal is equality and we're going to give to them and then everyone has the same, right? You're like, your Sean Hannity senses are like tingling right now. No, this is America. We don't believe in that, right? USA. Um, This is not a national economics policy that Paul is laying out here, right? Paul is simply just saying, as God's people, here's how it's going to work. There's going to be a time when you have plenty and someone's in need. So, your plenty can supply what they need. And there's going to come a time where the roles are reversed and you are in need, and the family of God is going to be there to supply what you need. This is how it works. And then he reads these words. Um, You know, what we see in these verses is this when others are in need, we're there to help. When others are in need, we're there to help. And we don't hold on to our resources and say, well, if I only had more, then I could help. When others are in need, we're there to help. We are there for each other. Just take a look at the message translation, what it says in the message translation of those same verses. Back when I had nothing, you made me feel like I was something. That's why I'm with you, boo, to this day. No frontin', even when the skies were gray. Actually, I think that's a mistake. Sorry, I think that's... That's not the message translation. That's that's "I'll Be There for You" by Method Man featuring <laughs> featuring Mary J. Blige. So, um. but something in those verses I wanted to highlight. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, I want to highlight one thing, and the real reason I'm pointing those verses out to you in 14 and 15. When you read verse 15, it says this: "As it is written." And here's a thing about studying the Bible: If you're ever reading through something, especially in the New Testament, and it says "As it was written," or you've heard it said, or you've seen it written, what they're doing is they're quoting the Old Testament. They're quoting the Old Testament law, the Jewish law. So in verse 15, when it says "As it is written," the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. This is Paul quoting the Old Testament. And so if you're ever reading something and you see that it helps you understand what they're talking about. And in your Bible, it probably will have a little letter. Like in mine, it says the letter B. And then at the bottom, I see letter B is Exodus 16, 18. So you find out, oh, Paul is quoting Exodus 16 and 18. So if you're interested in finding out more about what Paul is talking about, then you flip back to Exodus 16 and 8. 16 verse 18. And in Exodus 16 is the story, and this helps kind of bring this whole verse to life, Because in Exodus chapter 16, this is where Moses and the Israelites have just recently escaped Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. God has delivered them from Egypt, and now they're wandering in the desert. They have escaped, and they're a couple of days in, maybe a week in, and they don't have any food. And they start complaining, as we all would. Why did we get delivered from Egypt? God, if you're with us, we don't have any food. Where are we going to get food? And so if you know the story, you know that God says, okay, I'll supply food for you. I'm going to supply food for you in a way you can't even imagine. And there's what's called manna and quail. Have you ever heard? You've probably heard maybe heard the term manna and quail. And God says, okay, every morning in the morning you're going to wake up and there's going to be like these little flaky things on the ground and you're going to be able to make bread and that's going to be manna. And every morning there's going to be flocks of birds, quail, that come in and you're going to be able to kill those and have meat. So in case you're gluten-free, you can have the meat option. Um. He was, very, he was sensitive to those things back then. Um, and so, but it, the, the stipulation was this. Here's what I want you to do. Every morning you're going to wake up and there's going to be food provided. And I want you to gather as much as you need for that day. You take what you're going to need for that day. Don't go all crazy like at a buffet and think I've got to save up for the whole week. Because what's going to happen is tomorrow I'm going to provide for you again the food for you need that day. It's where we get the idea of daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You've heard that. God is teaching them because he knew that in Egypt, in Egypt what they learned was you had to build storehouses, store up as much as you could, get more, get more, fill up storehouses, build another barn, fill up another barn. This is what they had, and this is what the lesson they learned. If you can get more in Egypt, they learned this lesson because they saw it from the Egyptians. If you can get more food, more power, more influence, more status, whatever it is, even if you have to abuse people, you do what you can to get more so that you are provided for and you are provided for for years to come. God wants to take that old thinking and teach them, I want you to trust me every day. I want you to trust me every day. So what the Israelites did the first day, they see all the bread flaky things on the ground and all the birds and a ton of them just go out there and gather as much as they want. Because if you're hungry, you're thinking, I got to save up because what if it doesn't happen tomorrow? What if it doesn't happen tomorrow, so we got to have stuff saved up? But the next day they woke up, and everything that they had stored up was rotten. It was like God was just reinforcing this. I don't want you to do that. I want you to trust me for your daily bread every day. This is what God was teaching them, daily bread. You be devoted, you be generous, and you be faithful, and I, God, will provide for you every day what you need for that day. Man, that is hard to do, Right? That is hard. To, we get so we fall into that trap so easily of, i got to save up because I don't know what's going to be a year from now. You know who knows what's gonna be going to be a year from now? God knows. And he's going to provide for you tomorrow what you need for tomorrow. And he's going to provide for you the next day what you need for the next day. And if you've experienced that in your life, you can say amen. We've experienced that where we didn't know. We heard Jeff and Megan talk about this. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we saw God provide then what we needed then. God is faithful to provide every day. This is what Paul is teaching us. It's not about acquiring and stockpiling as much as we can for ourselves. It's about being generous in every area and trusting God to continue to provide. If you jump ahead to chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to read verse 6 through 11. Now, this is the verse that we read last week if you were here, but this is the surrounding verses as well. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse starting in verse 6 through 11. You will abound in every good work. As it is written, here's another as it is written. Paul is now quoting Psalm 112, verse 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and that through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Those are great verses. I love those verses. So that you will be enriched so that you can continue to be generous. And so that through all of these things, thanks will be given to God. I love that. I love that God chooses to use us to do all these things so that he can bring glory to himself and that people's needs can be met and those who are poor can have their needs met. I love that. But I have a couple of thoughts on those passages in the few minutes we have left. The first is this. We talked about this a bit last week. God's economy doesn't look like our economy. God says, I want you to not worry about yourself and store up, but I want you to be generous and allow the flow of resources to come from God and to go out to those who need it. This is God's economy. But also what we see in these verses, this is right in here, If we read it, that he blesses those who are generous. He blesses those who are generous. We see that to those who are generous and sow much seed, who sow their resources into other people, that God supplies for them. But more than that, and this is the part I get a little leery about even preaching because we've heard it misused so often. More than that, he says he does so with increase, that he's going to increase the resources for those who do that. Look again at verse 10. It says that you will, um, it says that he will increase your store. Actually, throw up verse 10. Do you have that up there, Charlie, the next slide? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for your food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. This gets abused so often, right? This just gets misused because then we start thinking, well, if I give at church, then I'm going to be rich. So this is the quickest way for me to get a retirement plan is to put something in the offering, right? And we've certainly heard it abused from the pulpit. If you would give in the offering, then God's going to do all these things. And then it's just led to then the pastor's living lavishly and having all uh, all these riches. If you ever hear me preach at this church something like, if you want God to answer your prayer, you just got to give in the offering more. I want you to take your offering and come up to the front and punch me in the face, okay? (laughs) Do I mean, that's not what it's about. It's not about somebody getting rich, whether it's you or me. This is not why we listen to those verses and say that God's going to increase and enlarge. But it says it right there. Paul clearly articulates this a couple of different times in this chapter. If we are faithful, if we are good stewards of the resources that he's given us, he will trust us to be stewards of more resources. Why wouldn't God do that? God is simply saying, I've got all these needs around the world, and here's my people that I'm calling to go all over the world, Farmington and all over the world, to meet those needs, to preach the gospel. He's got all these things. So he's going to look at the people who say, who are saying, God what you give me i'm going to be good stewards he's going to say okay i can use them i can use them i'm going to give more resources there if you were the owner of a company and there was one worker who was doing far and above everything else you would say of course i'm going to give them more resources look at what they're doing with it they're multiplying it it's going to good things so if you're here today and i said this last week if you're here today and you're saying uh uh-uh, uh i don't i'm not doing that i don't if you're still in the luck, reluctant Um, grit in your teeth, maybe God, I'll give you something. God's going to say, that's fine. You keep your money. I'm going to use somebody else. And this is what he invites us to be a part of. He's going to give us increase so that our righteousness and generosity can increase, so that all praise and thanksgiving can go to him. There's another thought from those verses, that when we're generous, we see it in there. It aligns our life. It aligns our heart with God's agenda. No more of this, you know, American dream, me first, I'm going to make myself rich agenda. It aligns our lives with God's agenda. And what is his agenda? It's caring for the poor. It's about his word going forth. It's about his lost children being found. This is what God is about. And in our world today, those initiatives take money. Those initiatives take money, and God is saying, I want people to fund those things so that his work, when we, when we align our lives with God, we say, yeah, our generosity, we want it to go forth and to see the poor cared for, to see his gospel go forth, to see lives changed and broken lives healed. This is what God is about in our world, and he wants us to invest our resources in that. So if you are a wise investor, you're always thinking, okay, what's going to be a good return? I'm not going to invest in this because I don't think that that's going to be a good return on my investment. When you invest in kingdom work, what better return on your investment is that? Kingdom eternal returns. I promise you, you will not regret it. Now, some of you might still be just like, oh, he's just talking about money so much. And I get that. And you have a good reason to think that, I'm sure. I don't know your story. I don't know why you think that. But I'm sure you've had experiences that lead you to believe that. But what I'm preaching today isn't scandalous, right? It's not like... I'm not asking you to to come make me rich or we're not doing name it, claim it, anything like that. But wouldn't you want to live like that where you could say, God, you're using me and I see the resources you're giving me bearing fruit. I see... This need met because of what you've given me, I've now given out. I got to be a part of that. In this building campaign, when we see people coming to faith in Jesus, when we see teenagers having a support system around them and and giving their life to Jesus and having hope instilled in their life in that tool that we want to buy, in that building we want to buy, you can say, yeah, look at the return on the investment. Look at what I got to be a part of. That's a wise investment. That's an eternal return. Who wouldn't want to live like that? I want to live like that where I see God increasing the resources I have so that I can increase the generosity that I have. We have people in our church who live that way. We have people in our church who God has used to give very large amounts of money to needs around the world, and they just simply see God increase their resources and their generosity increases. I want to live like that. I want to live like that. So as we wrap up today, how does... How do you do this? What does that look like? Practically speaking, how do you start? How much? All these things. And real quick, there are a couple quick giving principles that we see taught in the Old Testament. And one is the principle of the first. And what that means is... In the Old Testament, God would say, okay, if you're a rancher, the first animal, the first livestock that you have, I want you to give that as a sacrifice. And that's your way of saying the first thing that we have, I give to God as a sign of saying I trust him to provide the rest. If you were a farmer and you had a harvest, you would take the first fruits of the harvest and you would give that to God as a way of saying I trust that you're going to provide the rest. There's something about doing it first that God lays out because it simply says I trust you. So I, one way to do this, practically speaking, is to get away from that reaction giving, seeing what you have at the end. If you want to be generous and you're, and you're saying, well, as soon as I have enough of a surplus, then I'm going to be generous. As soon as I have enough left over at the end of the month, then I'm going to be generous. That's never going to happen. And it's always based on me first and fearful giving. What God is saying is, Dude, try it first. Try something first. Be intentional about it. Maybe pick a percentage and be intentional about it. There's another principle called the tithe, and Jeff and Megan were talking about that, and maybe you've heard that, maybe you don't. But tithe simply means 10%. And what we see in Scripture in the Old Testament is God kind of gives that percentage of pe- to people and says, why don't you give 10%? And so that's what we practice, we practice, I. That's what people in our church practice. Right off the top, every month we give 10% back to the church. And we see that. And what I'm saying is this. If you're here and you're thinking, 10%, I can't can't start there. What I'm saying is maybe just start. Start with something. But be intentional about it. There's something about that number that God has decided is appropriate. But maybe that's way outside your comfort zone right now. So I want to encourage you with a couple of things. If that's way outside your comfort zone. First, just start. Just start with something. If you want to live a life of generosity, just start with something. Be intentional and say maybe it's 1%, 5%. You know, whatever it is. But just start. Be intentional. Do that first. And then see what God does in your heart. See what God does in your faith. Um, But switch from that reaction giving to surplus giving. You know, if you have a, a goal with fitness or in your career or in your family. I mean, you have all these big goals. You're saving up for something. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? You have to kind of set these benchmarks and say, well, I'm going to start here, and then we're going to grow from there. I encourage you to do that. For Christy and I, tithing was something we were taught as kids. And so it's not been a stretch for us to do that. So what we're having God do now is challenge us. Okay, what can you do now? How can we increase that? But here's the thing about giving in your comfort zone. Um, When was the last time something really awesome happened? in your comfort zone. Think about that in life. When was the last time something, you were just in your comfort zone and something super awesome happened? My daughter for her graduation wants to go skydiving. So I, of course, am the only one in the, in the family who's volunteered to go with her. So that's happening in three weeks. She, took, she looked for a show of hands and there was no other hands. It was like an altar call at church. Like, <laughs> I need someone to put up a hand. You know, that's going to be a great day. I'm excited about that. I've been skydiving before, so it's not a huge leap of faith well it is kind of a big leap but um but think about that the days that you remember the big the big moments in your life those i guarantee you those were all kind of outside your comfort zone moments something other than the routine of life so when's the last time something really awesome happened that was just inside your comfort zone i think god wants us to grow in that and say hey and maybe and that's why we're asking you to pray about this maybe god's going to challenge you and say hey what if we tried this What if we did this and you're like, first thought is, oh, (laughs) I got to hold on more tightly. But what if you just allowed God to have that moment and you saw God come through and you saw God provide? Those moments are, those step out of your comfort zone moments, those are life-changing moments where you step out in faith and you see God come through. I want that for everyone in our church. Amen? So I hope that if you're new here, I, didn't, I don't want to offend you with this. I'm simply just saying, man, bring God into your life. Bring God into your finances. Just pray and see what he wants you to do. And maybe start turning that, that flow of resources into getting what you want into God. How could I be generous and then watch him provide and do a work in your heart? Amen? So let's do this. I, since we were talking about daily bread, let's have everyone stand together as we close today. We were talking about daily bread. And of course, we say, give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. So I thought we could close by saying the Lord's Prayer together. It'll be up on the screen, but maybe we all know it. Okay, so nice and loud, everyone together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.